I'm Ben Slowey, and today in the show um, is hip hop artist uh, with his new record "I'm Fucked Up," right? And uh, he's a he's a really energetic and a and confrontational and really fun performer. Um, I'm excited to talk to him about his artistry and why he does what he does. So, Nick Grace, welcome to the show. And thanks for having me, Ben. Confrontational is a good word. I don't think I've actually ever heard anyone use that one for me, but I'm, I'm going to run with that. That's good. I'm glad. That's, uh, that's like exactly like when I saw you at Landmark Lanes. That's like exactly because, like, you know, you're in people's faces and shit, you know? And uh, you're, you're, it's, you can, I can see the catharsis that you're using through your music. So confrontational, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like catharsis is one of my favorite words. It's definitely like you know, it's a it's a release for me, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I feel that. Um, and uh, you've so, yeah. For one, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty good, actually. Uh, just woke up for my third day in my new house, so nice. finally starting to feel like someone lives there, and I'm not just sleeping next to boxes. Yeah. That's cool. So, and. Um, well, I'm here, so that's always uh, a plus to anyone's day. <laughs> yes, most certainly. Yeah, you brought yourself here. Um, <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, I know the feeling when you first move in and your house is just so unassembled. At my last house, I remember, like, I was the first one of, like, my roommates to move in. And it was just me alone for, like, the first, like, two nights. And I just... I didn't put anything together, I just moved all my shit into, like, the living room, and then all my personal, like, my boxes in my room, and then I just, like, got my comforter, got one of my pillows, and just, like, slept in the middle of the floor amongst the boxes, and, uh, man, that was... <laughs> It, you, you feel like you hit a low. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you hit a low at like the start to what's supposed to be a new beginning. Yeah. You're like, fuck, this is not what this was supposed mm -hmm. to feel like. Right, exactly. Why am I on the floor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, because, you know, home is wherever your, your bed is, I like to think. And my bed, it was technically there, but not fucking together. So I know, I know that feeling, but um, well, good for you moving in. Uh, I, it's always it's an exciting adventure uh, having a new place. Um, I like the instant karma. Yeah, definitely. Um, instant karma radio. You know, shout out, shout out Calumet, shout out Cordell. Yeah, those are my guys. Actually, uh, used to used to work with Cordell. That's how I got in touch with. Oh, him. really? Yes. Hell yeah! I still need to cop some. Actually, that's uh, one apparel line. I uh, still need to cop. So, hey, Cal. Let me get some uh, shit. What we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, saw you at Landmark Lanes earlier this year. Uh, shout out to High Tribe. Um, shout out to who else? Before? Higher Power, Gorilla Ghost, Hell Spades, yeah. Magic. That was a fun ass night. That was a great fucking night. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like. I got to know, like, just how diverse the hip-hop scene was from that night. Like, just from 
so much like, you know, people, people just had completely different flavors of, of their hip hop music, of their stage presence and everything that night. But I, it was so fucking like invigorating to see. I, I, I had a great time that night. Yeah, and I think the cool thing about that night is it showcases one of the things I love about this local scene, which is that was actually a pretty small crowd when we were at Landmark Lanes, yeah. but the people who were there were like there for everything. Mm -hmm. I've been to venues that had bigger crowds, but at any given point, people would be floating in and out and not yeah. really like well, socializing. Giving a shit. Yeah. 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 But like everyone there, even when I was like throwing myself off the stage, they were they were with it, you know. Yeah. That that was so cool to see. Like that's the part of the scene that like I don't know. I feel like if you're doing this, that's who you're doing it for is those people. Oh, exactly, totally. And uh, you performed with uh, Malik Patterson. Shout out to Malik. Shout out Malik wherever you are, you crazy bastard. <laughs> that man is absurd with that guitar. Mm. Like, okay, I wanted to have him on the show, and we had talked about it, like, weeks before, uh, before Landmark Lanes, right? But we never got together to rehearse until literally a day beforehand, yeah. and all of the guitar riffs and everything that he had composed around my production, he did 24 hours before we went on stage. Holy That's how much time he had to come up with and rehearse those. Mm -hmm. And he just rocked it. Yeah. And his freaking pedal was broken, and he was still up there going crazy. Dude, yeah. That's how... He's... That's how crazy he is. I've the first time I saw Malik perform was uh, was at Cactus Club for uh, it was uh, Rich P like his his like Valentine's Day like showcase thing and Malik played with a couple artists that night and there was one part where he played guitar with his tongue. Oh yeah, he loves doing that. He'll play <laughs> guitar with his tongue. Like yeah. he will he will play guitar with his tongue and look your girlfriend dead in the eye while he's doing it. <laughs> Savage motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think we get along? Yeah, right. Damn there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was just a. That was a very. Um, it was a real special night. Also, shout out to Jeremy. Um, I love Jeremy Niklawich. Um Dude is mad supportive of you know the the hip hop scene out here. And I, when I had him on the show, like. We talked so much about, like, the history of the music scene, and, like, dude just, like, has so much love for what he does. He really does. And, like, I didn't even realize how deep into it he was, honestly, until around this time last year, I released a different album, and I hosted my first and only show I've ever hosted. And I just see this guy in a hoodie in the back kind of just looking at me the whole time. Yeah. And then at some point, he walks up to me, and he takes the hoodie off, and he shakes my hand, and it's fucking Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> I did not, like, personally invite this guy. Like, I posted a flyer, and he just appeared. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, yeah, I just want to see what you were up to. Hell yeah. Like, yeah. Apparently, he'd been following me, and he just, like, took a genuine interest in what I was doing that night with, you know, all the artists who were there. Yeah. You know, I had the Dream Team there when they were still a thing. Uh, McGuire as God was there. My guy Dub performed. You know, I try to keep my lineup small so everyone gets yeah. a good amount of time. But, like, it was just cool because it wasn't a lot of artists there, but the room was packed out. And in the back, there's just Jeremy just, like, eyeing me up, like, what's this kid doing? Now? Yeah. <laughs> Almost like he's a scout. Yeah, you know? for real. Like, like, you're at a football game and you yeah. look on the sidelines and you're like, oh, oh, that guy's from Marquette. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Where you, you, like, this guy's about to, like, sign you to a record deal in the back. But really, yeah, like... He's just, you know, he's about it, and he's here to support whatever it is the how, like, you know, an artist is doing, because mm -hmm. you're taking a lot of risks as an artist, 
as an artist in Milwaukee, you take risks because as uh, we were talking about before we started recording, people are kind of shady. Uh, people uh, <laughs> people fuck each other over, and uh, it's and it prevents their scene from moving forward. And a lot of people just give up on it. Yeah, yeah. Had experiences like that a few times, um, particularly with like live venues. Like I'm not gonna get too deep into it because I don't want to start anything. But like last night, I was supposed to perform at this app release for this thing called Get Lit Milwaukee, and the promoter basically ignored me the whole night. And then when I finally did get to go on stage as I'm performing, and like you know, I like to be loud. I like to be in your right. face, confrontational, as yeah. you say. You know. Yeah. So I'm trying to do my thing, and I'm like. Okay, is it just me or did the bass go out? Okay, now I can't hear my piano anymore. Is he turning down my entire backing track? That thing must have been like 24 decibels down by the time I noticed it. It was like almost muted and I'm just like, nope, literally threw the mic over my shoulder and like, thank God some friends escorted me out of the building because I have no chill. Yeah. But like, that was like not cool. And I've seen so many things like that happen. Mm -hmm. There was a show some of my guys were booked at at the uh, the Jazz Gallery, same place they do Free Space, one of the coolest organizations ever. Yeah. But whoever was running this one threw a temper tantrum and kicked everybody out. What the fuck, man? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, like you said, like before we started recording, like it's a shame to see stuff like that happens because there's so many people like Jeremy and like Malik that really like you know they outshine so many people around them. But for every Jeremy or Malik, there's a there's a KP or you know whoever was running that one of the gallery. Yeah, exactly, man. Like, yeah. Also, like people like Alan, you know, Alan Hollis, breaking entering. Like, how does that man find time? Dude. <laughs> and see, I never realized it was just Alan for a while. And Alan, if you're watching this, I'm so sorry. I used to spam the shit out of the breaking and entering oh email God, really? because I never got a reply and I'm like, well, these guys must not like me. Little did I know guys was guy at a bank. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> so, Alan bro, my bad, um, was not aware uh, until you like kind of hit me up and like clarified, but... Yeah, my bad. I That's still feel funny. like crap about that because I'm like, this poor dude, he's just juggling the entire Milwaukee. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he, um, and I, I try to help him out as much as I can with um, coverage to different scenes and different artists that he doesn't have the time to get to because he has so much administrative uh, responsibility there. But yeah, man, like, there's, uh, no, you're absolutely right because, like, what happened to you last night is at the end of the day, like if someone has a problem with you, that's between you and them and you can dish it out however you see fit, like mm -hmm. person to person, but do not disrespect the man's craft. This guy literally works his fucking soul into his music. This guy, this is what he has. This is his release. This is how he makes fucking sense into the world. And the second somebody like so the second somebody is fucking trolling your set, yeah, dude, I like fuck that man. <laughs> like that's like right up there with like saying something about my mama. Like you just don't do it. No, like no. I don't think people understand just how much I live and breathe music sometimes because I've been a little inconsistent this year. But like literally the way my my house is set up now that I'm finally like getting back on my game, I wake up. In my room, there is Home Studio One. 
microphone, workstation, two MIDI keyboards, monitors, the whole nine. Right. You step out, the main hallway of my house is Studio 2. Second workstation, two mics, a whole bunch of analog gear, like old school analog gear, outboard compressors, all that. Okay, turn the corner. What should be bedroom 2 is Studio 3. Third workstation, <laughs> two more mics, dual screen Mac, monitors, the whole nine. Like, literally, you could make three records at once in my house. Yeah. While somebody's in the home theater watching movies, and it's all insulated so you wouldn't even hear between the rooms. At that point, that's not even just a house, it's a facility. <laughs> it is my live-in creative space. Yeah. I wanted to live in a place where at any given moment, I could drunkenly stumble into one of my chairs and be in position to make music. Yeah. Like, that was the goal. Yeah, dude. That's No, that's awesome. For one, that's thousands of dollars. Like, <laughs> that's a lot Don't of Don't remind money. my wallet right now. Right, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, man. Um, for for one, like that's you know you yeah you you furnished this facility to be you where you can if you ever decide you have an idea or you want to shut the rest of the world out mm -hmm. and just create and just be like be lost in it, you can do that. And uh, I can't say that for a lot of people out here that you know are. You know, like, people have, uh, they see music as, like, they put it on the back burner because they they have trouble, like, believing in themselves with it, or they, they have, they're low income, so they have trouble booking studio time or purchasing equipment or, you know, getting a proper record done. Like, people have a hard time doing that, but, like, man, like, you... You you went through with the whole installation process. Like that's how much you believe in it, man. And like I, I have mad respect for that. And on that note, I'm excited to talk about your music. And because this, you've dropped a lot of music this year. When I yeah. when I saw you, you had just dropped Dead Boy Two, um, but you just dropped I'm Fucked Up Right, uh, just a couple weeks ago, right? Yep, and in uh, a little less than a month now, because it's what, the 23rd? Yeah. So in a little less than a month now, uh, another project called Totally Sober, which was so named because I totally wasn't when I made it. Totally. Um, yeah, is actually. totally coming out on <laughs> all platforms, so you should like totally listen to that. Awesome, man. So before we do that, um, before we get into everything that uh, your whole year and what you have coming up, um, I want to talk a little bit about your background as a musician and a little bit about where you started finding music as a creative outlet for yourself growing up. Yeah. So um, lately, if you've been following any of my semi-emo post-rents, um, you might have seen that I've been talking a lot about this idea that I want to make music for that kid in high school who used to retreat into his headphones when the world got too loud. Because I was that kid, and that was really where I fell in love with music. And um, I'm going to be honest, and I fully repent for these sins, but once upon a time, I did not fuck with hip-hop at all. I had no background in music. All I had heard was the crap they play on V100, the same yeah. five songs all day. Mm -hmm. And then I got the internet and an MP3 player, and oh my god. And um, then at some point I decided that I was going to do what all 14-year-old boys do at some point, and I was going to lie to try to get a girl. Right, yeah. <laughs> and at the time, dubstep was the big thing. Yeah, 2011-ish or something, yeah. Yeah, so I may or may not have told her I'd make dubstep. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> Naturally. So then I had to go home and quick binge watch a bunch of YouTube tutorials, found out FL Studio was a thing, nine hours into not sleeping and trying to uh, not let my mom hear the wubs coming out of the yeah, basement. Yeah. 
I kind of lost interest in the girl, but I kind of got like way too deep into the FL studio hole that I was in. Yeah. And from there, it was all history. So at this point, I'm 22. So I've been at this for eight years. Eight years. Yeah. yeah but like that's where it started, and then um, trying to impress a girl. <laughs> yeah, it started trying to impress a girl. And then, like, the rap came in, um, actually, kind of a more serious moment. Back when uh, I was graduating high school, my father actually helped my stepmom frame me for a robbery I didn't commit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Damn. And so there was this whole back and forth, and my family basically got divided between people who believed me and people who believed them. And I was always being asked to speak on things that I just wanted to go away because I'm like, I didn't do anything. Why am I on trial 24-7? And I was pissed. Mm-hmm. And that's where some of that rage like that I have now came from. It was originally just me trying to find somewhere to put all of that that wasn't, you know, my fist through somebody's face. Right, yeah. I wanted to say something on my tracks, and I couldn't do that with techno. So then I started studying hip-hop, and I actually started studying some of uh, my big brother's old records, if you believe that. Word, sure. I don't know um, if you remember, uh, Breaking and Iron recently did a uh, write-up on this group, uh, The House of M. I've heard it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw it. Yeah. Well, um, Ray's from the House of M is actually my big brother. Mm. So I grew up watching this guy, like, kind of from the sidelines come out, and he'd be like, yeah, I made this record, I made this. My mom would have a CD, and it would have, like, a, uh, like a radio-edited Ray's record on it, because, you know, okay, it's like custom records to mom. Yeah. And I would just see him doing this, and I'm like, okay, well, I've talked to this guy. We're basically the same person, you know, a few years apart, but the same person. <clears throat> right. If he can do it, I can figure it out. And so I just decided that's what I was going to do. I can't sing, I'm going to learn how to rap. And that's how I got into hip-hop. But that's also why you hear like a little bit of like that, uh, that kind of rock or metal flair in my delivery. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's because I started <clears throat> there. I started with like Megadeth and yeah, shit, you know? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, totally. I remember you said that. Like, you want to start merging like metal elements and punk elements into your hip-hop music. And people overlook how much like... A lot of the subject material, a lot of the dynamic, like, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, fundamentally, like, hip-hop and metal, and I, I'd like to see you bridging that. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of that just comes down to, like, the like the aggression aspect of things. Like, punk rock, metal, hip-hop, they're some of, like, the few genres that are not afraid to, like, unapologetically say... Fuck this and anything in its general vicinity because I'm gonna leave a crater there. Like that's like the general vibe you get from a lot of these records. Like, you know, you've got metal songs that are literally designed to cause mosh pits. You've got rap records that are so insulting that they actually make people get into gunfights with each other. You know, you've got like this this culture of you know very heated, very passionate, sometimes violent moments that I think they all share, but people miss that connection. Right. That's why like. Um I mean, there's still venues in Milwaukee that are afraid of booking hip-hop shows for that reason, where it's like the subject material, you know, has like, it's incited violence or it's it's portrayal of violence has like, you know, people will have their security upgraded at venues because of it or, which is a thing that I've seen in both, you know, metal slash hardcore stuff and hip-hop shows is like, people... The venue is afraid of for like their safety because of shit like that. But I mean, it's because I think the word you used is perfect, unapologetic. I mm-hmm. think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, to 
to quote another local artist, a guy by the name of uh, Logic, um, middle fingers taped to my forehead is kind of like the vibe you get sometimes from these songs. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, um, for sure. So uh, when did, uh, so you started uh, dropping music, uh, so when was your first record? When That was like, what, 2017 or? My first proper record came out around 2016, 16. and it was called The Fade, and um, actually, unfortunately, you cannot listen to The Fade anymore. Sure. I was young and inexperienced with hip-hop, and um, to those of you who are listening who make music, learn from my mistake, I did not clear not a one sample. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, a couple years down the road, uh, one of my songs I had on there uh, had Munch Lauren on it, so it got a decent amount of traffic. And whoever owned the copyright to that sample must have heard the record because next thing I know, someone's just like, hey, where'd your song with Munch go on Spotify? I was trying to listen to it today and I can't find it. And I'm like, what? So yeah, like back in like 2016 I released that, but it no longer exists because I was stupid. So right. don't do that, guys. <laughs> really don't do that. Yeah. Clear that shit. Clear that shit, copyright that shit, get a trademark on your name before somebody tries to trademark your name and they got Kevin Gates like that, like, just do it. Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then they tried to make him pay almost an M to actually get the rights to his own, like, name. Oh, wow, shit. Damn. That's fucked. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, then you started dropping a couple records, like, after that, like, in the last couple years, you did Dead Boy. I want to talk about Dead Boy. Uh, <laughs> Dead Boy Part 1 and 2, because you had a pretty uh, profound, like, like somewhat of a, um, it's a very personal journey, it seemed like you went on, like, putting that those tapes together. Yeah, um, honestly, Dead Boy was, like, just born from uh, a place of, like, darkness that I was in at the time. I kind of expressed that to you outside of Landmark Lanes, yeah. you know, through a couple of whiskey sours, but, you know, yeah. I, I said, like, I basically felt like a zombie, like, I was just kind of going through the motions in life and forcing myself to make music for a while because my depression got super overbearing, and, um, I made the record based on that, and, um, that's another thing. I feel like in hip-hop and... Also, the black community in general, we don't embrace that stuff enough. We don't talk about it. Oh, yeah. so, here I am, black man. Yes, I have depression. I have anxiety. I function every day. I go to work. I make music. I live a great life. Do not be afraid. But um, And then Dead Boy 2 wasn't even really supposed to be a thing, honestly. But then literally like a month after we convened at Landmark Lanes, yeah. um, my job was um, like dissolved. Mm -hmm. Um, then, um, my girl who I've been with for like a couple of years left me, and then to put the icing on the cake, the Department of Revenue decided they were going to take back my income tax return two months later because I said I filed something wrong, so I just wow. lost like two G's Holy on top of my God. job, and yeah, so now I'm just sitting here like, that's shit. Okay, so life, ground floor, start over, got it. Yeah. And so that's why I made Dead Boy 2, because that place that I was in then really reminded me of where I was when I made the first one. And I'm like, yeah, this, this needs a volume 2. This needs a continuation. I'm still in the same spot. I have not progressed. So, like, I, I, I didn't feel right moving past that until I, like, you know, finished it. That's horrible. Like, dude, that is, that is so much to swallow. Holy fuck, bro. Like, damn, man. Uh, well, you... Uh so, do you feel like making the tape kind of helped you rebound? It definitely did, because um, around that time in my life, I was kind of bouncing around, you know, 
on account of like living with the person who just left me, I uh, didn't go home very much. So I was staying with friends and I was couch surfing and I was sleeping in my studio before it was in my house because it wasn't always in my house. It was uh, in an office space, actually. I was literally sleeping in there and like just making music. Um, fell in with this collective that calls themselves the Hellboy Click and I'm still kind of loosely associated, but I'm not in it anymore. And they kind of like adopted me. You know, that's what that line on Lightyear was about. I'm trying to elevate the clique because they adopted my crazy. They literally found me in the worst part of my life. And they took me in and said, no, you're one of us now, yeah. you know? Wow. And I met a bunch of people that I never would have met because I was just floating haplessly through life. So in a lot of ways, I feel, feel like not only did it help me find closure on the bad situation I was in, but it helped me kind of explore parts of the city scene and the world that I hadn't seen before and figure out where I want to go next. Yeah. That makes sense. Dude, like, a couple months ago, like, I remember you said, like, you spoke publicly about how, like, you were debating not making music anymore, and I was like, Nick, what are you doing, buddy? Like, I, so I hit you up, and I was like, and I was like, yeah, do you still want to do this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Because we had just booked an episode, and you were like, you, I remember you hit me back, and we're like, Oh yeah, dude. Like I'm still down. I was just I was just having a bad day, and uh, man, like I'm I'm so happy, you know, that you were that only just came out of b having a bad day, and that like you know you, um, and that you continued your journey through this odyssey mm -hmm. because you know it sounds like you you needed to, you just really needed to for yourself. Yeah, and I definitely did, and uh, sorry for the scare I gave you and everyone oh, else. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I, I, get, I get like that sometimes, too, though. Yeah, and that's just kind of, um, I think that honestly just comes with being a creative in general, is at yeah. some point you look at the amount of work you put in, and you feel like you're climbing a 90-degree incline, and you're just like, why? And, um, yeah, I was going through some other stuff at the time, and I was just looking for things to cut out of my life to make it easier. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I could just try being a normal person. Maybe I could, like, not do this. And then, literally, I said that, and I already kind of regretted saying that out loud. I'm like, no, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to fucking quit. I'm going to do it. And then I start getting 101 messages from every other person that's like, you really think you can stay away from music? Yeah. You're back tomorrow. <laughs> right. And literally the next day I was like, yeah, no, Ben was just having a bad day. They were, they were right. Can't, I cannot stay away. It's part of me at this point. It's like ripping out your heart. Like, you're not going to make it very far. Yeah, man. Dude, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I had a feeling, too. You know, like, because you're Nick Grace, man. Like, <laughs> dude, with the shows you put on, I couldn't see you take, I couldn't see you walk away from that. But I'm glad I'm I as well as anyone that knows you and like and you know the rest of the scene. I like we're glad you're still here, dude. I just love that my name has become this thing. Like I don't know if you get that. That's my name. Like if I pull up my driver's license, it says Nicholas Grace on it. I think you said. I think you told me that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's still funny to me that people say that because they're just like, Nah, man, you're Nick Grace, and I'm like. Well, yeah, but and I keep forgetting that it like means something you're like, to people that's, now. You're like that's that is my government name. <laughs> that, that's been my name since like as long as I can remember. So I'm like that doesn't really mean much to me. But people say that and they say it with like such like fire, and I'm like, oh yeah, that means something to people now. Go figure. 
Like, yeah. Do you ever get that? Just being like who you are? Like, oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. People, people have said that to me in the past. Like, I've always kind of been like, just like a really like eccentric and weird person. Like even amongst my like best friends, like I was always just really strange to people and people would be like, if I was ever down on myself, they'd be like, but dude, you're Ben Slowey. You're just, you're so classic, dude. <laughs> You're so classy. I'm so classy. That's what my friends. Like, that was like our word that like my friends and I like we loved using like in like middle school, but and like high school, and then like eventually that would become, you know, now like this past year, man, like I'm Mr. Nice Guy. People actually acknowledge me like in public. You're Mr. Nice Guy. What's up, Mr. Nice Guy? I'm like. Like literally, I was in the, I was literally in Sunrise right over here mm-hmm. on the corner, and I saw Sincere, and he Yo. was yeah sorry oh yeah no I saw Sincere and he was like, hey Mr. Nice Guy I'm like dude what the fuck is up <laughs> I'm victory like, victory is up yeah no and I was like it's just it's very meaningful when someone can you know someone attaches like your name was something that something a name that you adopted or something that like you publicly like have owned as your own you know and they attach that with something meaningful Mm -hmm. you know like that's that's like it's most like validating most magical most amazing feeling in the world and uh, you know like it's 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 a sign that what you do matters you know yeah, and that's really why I like it. Like, it's not even about the recognition. Like, it's just the fact that there is a a feeling, a message, whatever it may be, that a person now ascribes to your name or my name. Like, you don't even need to describe it anymore. You just right. say, hey, it's Mr. Nice Guy. Hey, isn't it Grace? And yeah. it's like, that's all that needs to be said. Right. That's, that's power right exactly. there. Exactly, dude. Like, yeah. like, dude, you're wet, we're repping instant karma. You know, like, mm-hmm. people know what that is. They're like, oh, yeah, shit, like, you know, I have to cop uh, instant karma myself. Like, dude. Yeah, yeah. seriously, buy this shit. Do you see this? This is I will, yeah. I, like, honestly. I like, the, I like the blue and pink. Did you see the back? No, I didn't see the back. Yeah, so on the back, they've actually got, like, all the way down. Oh, it. wow. Tell me that's not dope. That is so cold, dude. <laughs> I like the triangle, too. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. Oh, yeah, it, uh, it kind of matches the ring. Oh yeah, nice, right, right. Y'all ever see that? <laughs> yeah, dude. Hell yeah, man. That's um, some imagery there. But um, so tell me about this new tape. I'm fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me about like I guess where that tape came from. Um, it honestly came from a place of experimentation. So um, truth be told, totally sober. The project I'm releasing next month, I actually recorded before I'm fucked up, right? And that was kind of recorded like in like the like the dead boy creative process and everything. Yeah. But after I got done with that and I kind of got back on my feet, you know, I made arrangements for the house. I got a new job and I got like you know into a steady life pattern again. I wasn't you know just floating anymore. Yeah. I wanted to make something. I didn't really know what. And I started experimenting with a bunch of uh, analog hardware, a bunch of old like Behringer rack mounts. I bought at a uh, music go round. And um, some place called Uncle Bob's, I think. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was playing with the idea of can I make a record sound like together and professional by modern standards without using any plugins in my DAW? So literally just 
the knobs on the hardware recorded in one take the way they did back in the day when they did um, you know like vinyl records. Yeah. Now, granted, for some of my backing vocals, I couldn't do exactly one take, but like I didn't splice anything on that record. I didn't actually like copy and paste anything. Like I recorded it straight through like that, and then I would start it over if I needed a layer, and I record straight through on that layer, and it all went through the hardware, and it was one big experiment. And at some point, I was playing uh, the records I was you know coming up with in this experiment for some of my friends, and they were like, "Yeah, bro, when's this coming out? When's this coming out? Coming out?" And I'm like. What do you mean? When's this coming out? Like, these are these are tester tracks, and they're like, no, but when's this coming out? Yeah. And that's why you'll hear like, um, like on Honesty on I'm Fucked Up, right? You'll actually hear like the voice starts thinning out in certain spots because I didn't know how to work my limiter and it was like squashing the dynamics. Oh, yeah. But that was the take I got. So just like back in like the '60s before they had computers, that was the take I had to work with. Oh yeah, right. And um, people just kept asking me, when's this coming out? When's this coming out? And um, before a couple of records, like, you know, as the intro, I was kind of just playing around. I kind of just built it out. I'm fucked up, right? <laughs> so I named it that. Because yeah. I felt like that, like, that pretty aptly summed up where I was at. It was just about pain and things that were on my mind. And just half of it I didn't even write. I just kind of, like, vented into the mic because I never had any intentions of releasing it. So it's very rough around the edges, and that's kind of how it became what it was. Yeah. And actually, if you pay attention, the um, the cover of that is from the night we were at Landmark Lanes together. I'm gonna look it up right now. If you look at it, you'll see the dartboard in the background, and you'll see like people's heads and stuff from Landmark Lanes. Okay. Oh yeah, holy shit, that's true. I just threw a film filter nice. over the cover and threw some text over that, but that's actually, to bring it all full circle, that cover is the night we met at Landmark. Fuck Lanes. yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. What, uh, who took that? Um, I think that was my guy Poseidon, but I don't remember, because oh, a couple of people sent me uh, pictures off of their phones that they got too, and it was just one that I had floating around in like my, uh, my hard drives. So I forget exactly who took that, it could have been him, it could have been one of the the people I met there off of their iPhones. Yeah. All I know is I really like that picture and with the name that I had decided to run with just because that little riff and the picture is just me holding a mic in one hand and doing this with the other hand and I'm like, yes. Yeah, that's cold. <laughs> this girl kind of just vibing out in the background like, yeah. Ah. yeah, dude, fuck yeah. Dude, yeah, and like, especially right there in the moon room, like, you're right in people's faces. You're like literally like, it's like a black box theater almost, where like you're like on ground level almost. There's like a mm -hmm. tiny little stoop, like between you and the crowd, and uh, yeah, you're basically just shouting, like in people's faces, like in their fucking, uh, you know, right up in their grills, and that's why, yeah, that's it's a valuable venue to do to do a show like yours for sure. Definitely, definitely. I want to do a show at some point at um, at Cactus actually, but I haven't been able to figure out how to like book them. So if anybody sees this and has any insight, please four one four Grace on all social. Hit me up. Hey, I want to do more shows and I want to like create more experiences for people to be a part of with me. Well, Kelsey uh, books. You know Kelsey. She's the one who Kelsey? books. Kelsey Kaufman. She books at Cactus Club. Go figure. So. There you go. That's, she's the one to talk to for sure. Um, but yeah, man, that'd be dope. I, the sound at Cactus is the best. Yeah, and that's why I want to do it because with some of the stuff I make, it's very much like built around like this um, 
this this atmosphere of all the instruments kind of wrapping around you. Like if you listen to it in headphones or car speakers, it's just like, oh, oh, okay, like hello. <laughs> And I just want to, like, I want to do that at the Cactus Club and, like, really pack the place out and just oh, yeah. create, like, a, a an atmosphere around it, yeah. you know? Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, man. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see it happen. We'll speak it into existence. So, totally sober. You were not sober. You were, uh... <laughs> um, you... Uh, yeah, I guess, like, what? where is this project coming from, like, based on, like, you know, the, the place that you're in now, and, like, I guess, like, what you want this project to, like, represent of you? I think that project is really just important for me to release because it's closing out this whole 2019 chapter, this roller coaster I've been on. Um, totally Sober came about when I was really starting my like line of performances I did this year. Cause I don't know if you noticed, my name was on like a lot more flyers than yeah. it's ever been. Um, and um, when I was like running around networking with all these different artists and I didn't even record that project like entirely in my studio. I actually have, you know what a Blue Yeti is? No. So a Blue Yeti is a mic about a little bit taller than this water glass. Okay. And it just plugs in via USB. It's not a very oh. good mic, but it's a mic. Sure. And I was carrying that around with me to like mellow drop in 30s, not even his studio, his house sometimes, sometimes his studio, sometimes just his house. And I was starting to run with like the Hellboy click at that time. So like one of them was literally recorded in this place we called the Trap House. It was like literally some of these like old aunt's abandoned house with a hole in the wall from where our kid bitch dove through it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So nice. like it was like it was very much that chaotic period where I was just doing what I wanted. I had just lost my job. I was coasting by, but I was like, I wasn't in the best headspace in the world, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna drink and party today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And that's kind of like the, the vibe you're gonna get from the project. And there's a couple moments on there, like um, there's a track Off 10 I did with AK Stacks, who is oh, yeah. an amazing AK Stacks is dope. Shout out to AK Stacks. AK Stacks kills choruses. And that one was kind of like, you know, dedicated to like Love Lost and stuff. But it was like, you know that like up and down you go on when you have like a drunk night after you've just been having like a week, like uh, like one of those weeks? Yeah. Like the whole project feels like that because it goes from like yeah to uh, to yeah again. It, it's like uh, the it's like polarizing in terms of the mood. Yeah, and some of the songs there's this weird like juxtaposition. Like um, remember when that song Pumped Up Kicks came out? Of course. Yeah, it's like <laughs> lyrics very dark, sound very bright, very catchy, happy like literally like the happiest pop melodies. But yeah, it's about like a school shooter. You know like. Yeah, that shit. Yeah, man, it's it's. I I think it's actually really fascinating when an artist can do that. You know, yeah. juxtapose really dark imagery and like really just like depressing or otherwise like you know like terrifying lyricism with a really happy, fun pop melody. Love when that happens. Well, there's this one song in the new one, which I I won't like spoil it or anything, but um. Everyone uh, says it's like the catchiest thing ever, and they're absolutely mad at me for this because the whole thing is like, let's throw a party because I hate my life. That's the that's the song's like topic, and yeah. it's like it's like a little pump ass song, like it's ninety percent chorus, but yeah. you can't get it out of your head. But the whole time is like literally, there's a line in there that just said, let's throw a party and get fucked up all night because I think too much and I hate my mind. 
Yeah. But I sing it in such like this happy tone, and the beats right. like some little oozy bouncy. Shit. <laughs> like I perform that thing, and everyone's nodding their head. And like halfway through the song, sometimes I'll see people in the crowd go, "Wait, what? What did he say?" Because yeah. they'll catch it. But at the at the moment, it's just like, "Yeah, yeah." And yeah. that's like I feel like that really kind of sums up that place you're in when you are out and you're out with friends and you're having a good time. And you're getting fucked up, but like you're escaping more than oh, anything. Yeah, right, it right. kind of sums up the escapism. Like, totally. let's have a good time because life sucks now. Yeah. Hey, I think that will resonate with a lot of people, especially in our generation who, you know, who uh, resort to substance in order to cope with, you know, their issues or dark places in life. I mean, dude, and like, I'm no exception to that. Um, I have borderline personality disorder. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I like... I escape my demons a lot by just, I keep drinking. That actually happened to me last weekend, man. Like, I was having so much fucking anxiety. I have this, this, it's like an insidious fear that the world is out to get you. So, the way I cope with it sometimes is I just will start drinking and I will just keep drinking until I can't, like, consciously think these, like, you know, dark thoughts of, like, you know, what's happening around me, you know, and like, it escapes the franticness, and, uh, and it sucks, man, like, I, so, I, I totally, I get that, too. I've used alcohol as an escape myself, um, I feel like I've gotten, like, last weekend was kind of, an, like, first time in a while, it was really, like, an escape for me, but, like, you know, I, I, I'm much better about moderating it myself, but a lot of times it's like, yeah, man, I just drink to escape anxiety. <laughs> yeah. It's rough. <laughs> and honestly, moderation is a key with, like, anything, because, like, everyone's got vices, but um, something I learned back in college, actually, um, before it started popping up in songs and all that shit, before it was cool to do, which it's not, um, truth be told, I got fucked up on benzos. Oh, yeah. Right. And at some point I realized, like, I can't turn my fucking brain off. Like, this isn't going to work. Right. But I'm destroying myself here. Mm-hmm. So I went on, like, a solid six-month tolerance break off of everything. Just, like, actually stone sober, you yeah. know? And when I did get back into, you know, generally altered state of, states of mind, yeah. I kind of made it my personal credo that I will never let anything control me. Yeah. I will partake in what I please, but nothing will ever control me. Right. And if I ever feel like myself reaching that point again, then I put everything down and yeah. I take another six months <clears throat> because that's the important thing is that you remain in the driver's seat. You yeah. know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's real as so hell. Good for you, man. Like I, w- I took a month being sober, uh, a month after I got out of the psych ward, uh, about almost three years ago now. But yeah, I was waiting for, uh, it was mostly to like help my medication like start taking effect because like, you know, it just takes a while to start really working. But once it did, like after that month, you know, I eased into drinking again mm-hmm. and it, I finally like could do it just the way like I always wanted to use alcohol, which was to do it because I enjoy it, not because I feel like I have to get drunk in order to like you know, to avoid my anxious thoughts, my depression, or just my feeling of, uh, you know, impending doom against the world, you know? And it got much better after that. So I recommend going sober for 
whether it's a short amount of time or a long period of time, it's it's it can be a true like reset button. Yeah, definitely co-sign that. I always say I'm like the resident bad influence, but like, yeah, do that. It helps. It really fucking does. Yeah. Also, take breaks from social media. That too, that helps uh, as well. I, I still haven't done that, but... I, I need to, but I can't stop. <laughs> yeah, I can't, man. I think that's like the one actual addiction I have. Like, yeah. I'm just like, okay, what are people saying now? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I see, because I, I, I see some people that take like, like even if it's small breaks, like a week-long break or something, and, and it helps them. It seems to do good for them. And yeah, like, it's it's... There's something, it's, it's yet another thing to put your mind to. It's like a cold turkey, you know? It's like you just, you just decide, you just, you know, on a whim will just delete the apps and just force yourself to not reopen them. See, that's something I've always wondered, though. Like, do people in our position, like, you know, in music or the arts even have that option? Because, like, literally, I got, um, I got banned from Facebook for about a day. Because uh, I had that like stretch for like two weeks where my name on Facebook was Heartbreak Kid, which was oh, kind yeah. of alluding to some shit I had planned in the future. That was like the goal was to, like drop hints on social I media like that, celebrities yeah. do. Yeah. And instead, somebody reported me for my name change, and I got banned. When I finally got my account back, I had like twenty messages of people who were various degrees of pissed off with me because they couldn't contact me through my page, and I'm like, oh my god! Like at that moment, I realized something. If I ever stop. I could be shooting myself in the foot and or other appendages just by not opening this app. Yeah. And that shit's terrifying. Yeah, dude. Like, do I even have an option to stop at this point? That's real. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're right. I couldn't do this show or write for Break and Entering if I didn't have social media. Like, I just, it wouldn't happen. I would, for one, I wouldn't meet people. I wouldn't know when shows are. I wouldn't network with people that want to work with me. I wouldn't be able to publish my articles and then share them so that people that I'm actually writing about can see it. Mm -hmm. I just, like, it's, there's no way out for me either in that way. I think it's just a matter of learning to, to utilize social media for the right reasons. Because it is a really powerful and effective tool to many degrees. But, kind of what you were saying earlier, it, it, it can become a vice. It becomes a vice of validation. And that's something that we all need to like undo and unlearn and be better about. So definitely. So Nick Grace, uh, this was great to talk about your music, about vices, about you know uh, moderation, about being confrontational. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was it was great, man. I'm glad you're still making music out here. I'm glad that uh, you uh, you you're, you've overcome 2019 just about. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. And to everyone else who has overcome 2019 with us, we will see you next year. It's been a pleasure. Um, this has been Nick Grace, Slightly Insane, on yeah. Mr. Nice Guy. Dude, yeah, and also listen to uh, I'm Fucked Up Right and uh, Get Ready for Totally Sober coming out next month. And so if you're not already following me, I am 414Grace on all social media Please go ahead and add me, except on Snapchat. It was already taken by somebody. I don't know where that goes on Snapchat. So All do right. not punch 414 Grace into Snapchat. Don't do... <laughs> fuck Snapchat. So, Nick, tell me what keeps you up at night. What keeps me up at night? Um, my own thoughts. This thing doesn't turn off. So I'll be laying there and I'll just be thinking weird shit like, yeah. why do we cook 
bacon and baked cookies, like shit, like like, <laughs> like just like Jaden Smith Twitter ass yeah, shit, right. and I'd be laying there like, why am I like this? Yeah, I had a dream last night. This is a whack ass dream I had, but I had a dream where it's like, what if there was a restaurant that where you you got the food for free, but you paid for the water. <laughs> it was like this, this and it's run by we energies yeah this parallel ass universe i don't know why i had that dream but i woke up i mean i was kind of hungover too but i woke up I'm like what the fuck uh but what puts you to sleep though what puts me to sleep yeah um good day of work honestly when i feel like i've accomplished something then I can actually like rest. Otherwise, I just have this overwhelming feeling like you need to do something. You need to get up. Why are you laying here? Get mm -hmm. up. Yeah. But if I've actually accomplished something that day, I sleep like a baby. There you go. Rock on, dude. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Two, three, four.